Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Lay Film. Uh, in this podcast, we like to pick out hidden gems and, you know, try to share it with everyone else to try and get a little bit more exposure on it, while also doing a bit more of a deep dive into the story itself and, like, what it all means to each and every single one of us here. Um, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the four co-hosts, and then with me today are the other three co-hosts. Tyler. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, Richie. Patrick. And then we also got Tyler. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, have this guest on. Uh, we were just talking about it before we hit record that this person has been somebody we've been wanting to have on since we first started the show and it's been a long time in the making. And welcome, Brandon. We have uh, Brandon Drew on, on the show. He's one of our good friends. We all went to school with him. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Brandon. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and uh, Brandon, like you could feel free to give us a background on yourself if you want. If not, it's totally all good. <laughs> yeah, okay. can you give us your uh, social security and you know credit card <laughs> numbers and stuff? <laughs> uh, no personal info, no personal info. But uh, yeah, I'm a uh, CSU film major grad. Uh, went to school with all of these great guys here and uh, just enjoy working on projects with these guys. I think we've done, what, four, five now all together, um, I think at this point. So, yeah, just been enjoying the ride and, and I love making movies with my friends. Awesome. And, um, yeah, I guess uh, uh, the next thing I want to ask is what have, what have everyone been watching, like, lately? Or even engaging with? Like anything. Uh, I just watched. I watched Coda, the Best Picture winner at the Oscars. Abby wanted to watch it, and uh, I I really enjoyed it. It was it was a good, just like heartwarming, heartwarming movie that made me uh appreciate appreciate life after. And it was just a fun. It was a. It was a good experience watching it for sure. I definitely think. Yeah, you. You all would dig it. It's a I was kind of surprised though. TV? I was kind of surprised though that it did win Best Picture. Like I haven't seen all the movies that were nominated, but it's on Apple TV, right? Yeah, like it's just a streamer. Yeah. So do you, you so you don't think it was worth like best picture? No, I'm not saying that. I'm I'm not saying that. Like I I haven't seen all the movies that were in best picture. I think it was like Dune, Don't Look Up. Uh, like those are the ones I've seen. Um, Drive My Car, which I know you loved, Richie. I really want to watch that. But uh, <laughs> no, it yeah, like it was it was really good for sure. I feel like I'm just surprised, like, I'm like, oh, Apple original or, like, streaming. Like, anything that's, like, a streaming original winning, like, a big award seems, like, I guess, right. foreign to me. It was a Sundance pick. <laughs> but it was pick. good. There was nothing, like, I did not not like the movie at all, so. None of you guys have watched it or seen it? No, no I haven't seen it. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, would, I, I would think, yeah, you guys would like it for sure. 
Yeah, this was probably the first time I've I've heard about the movie. Like, um, I didn't catch the Oscars myself. Uh, I kind of just saw it on like a post that summed up all the winners, and that was the first time I'd I heard of the movie. Like, I I'd heard of the other ones, but I didn't. I yeah, it's strange how that one just kind of slipped past me. Yeah, same. I had never like I literally have never watched the Oscars live like on cable television and i just happened to be at my dad's like hanging out and we were like watching uh i think like march madness and then my stepmom wanted to watch the oscars so then we put on the oscars and the whole like will smith thing happened which was crazy i was like how is this the i'm gonna see this the one time i watched the oscars live and wait then, what happened uh, <laughs> what's that can, yeah <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> <You know. laughs> That's pretty wild stuff for your very first Oscar viewing. I mean, I gotta say that's that's a, a memorable moment there. Yeah, is that the thing that we want to talk about? Is that the thing we're engaging with? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll say this is a pessimistic outsider. I haven't seen. I don't think any of the Best Picture nominees. I'm just tangentially aware of them, but it looks like a grim. It looked like a somewhat grim year if it's so easily overshadowed by like a little squabble between celebrities. But that just could be That's my pessimistic taste. <laughs> like point. Dune. Like I haven't seen Dune. I've only seen like like a people theorizing about like a, a a cultural psychological thing with the movie about like our desire or we're being forced to integrate like the Marvel branded cinematic creations but it's being repackaged in like a established sci-fi thing that's more adult and more artistic even though it's like essentially the same points and beats and like how like the this new dune movie doesn't even have like a narrative conclusion it's like oh it's just like bigger studios or pictures or whatever integrating that marvel formula and it's kind of grim to think about that and so, yeah, I just have all those kind of thoughts about everything in this year's Oscars. And then the slap was a, almost a good distraction. But then it's also another thing of I'm being made crazy by just everything happening. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been doing much. <laughs> just staying up, thinking about nothing. I think, though, I think, though, that like our society is. Uh... Like, so whack that no matter how good the movies are, say we like put out like it was the best year for movie releases ever. I still think the Will Smith slap would overpower. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think as far as like my exposure to that thing, I like the moment itself was even overshadowed by people providing their own sentiments on it mm -hmm. it's like why are we talking about like that's that's my thing it's like why is this even big news like they're just a bunch of celebrities like who gives a shit about celebrities yeah like we've all slapped well, our, our homie one time you know <laughs> um, yeah you know on national tv in front of like you know the biggest stage in the world like you know you know the oscars known for you know 40 million people tuning in although not as much this time but you know it's like it's like when 
if people don't talk about the, you know, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake thing at the Super Bowl or like, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, that, that, what happened kind of reminded me of, uh, Brandon, I don't know if you watched this movie, but the square and there's, there's a scene in that film where like this perform performative artist is acting like a, you know, like an animal. And these pe- these rich people are like watching him, and they're all supposed to be quiet. And like, then he acts out of turn and starts harassing someone in the audience, and everyone's just watching very awkwardly. Like, no one's like doing anything until this person starts to scream and yell out for help. But like, it took a very uncomfortably long time until somebody stepped in, and I felt like this is what happened at the Oscars. Um, I think people. I don't know. I think. I think the fact that like we're living in these like blurred lines of like what's reality and what's fiction and the fact that people couldn't even tell like that that was real is like, man, are we so like, are we so out of touch now that like, like that we can't really see that this is really happening. And even if so, like, um, the fact that people are even trying to justify it and I feel like there aren't very many angles in which you can say that Will Smith was in the right because it's really all over, honestly, uh, like a very, very mild and super like teasing joke. It's like a very, it's a very light tease in my opinion. And you're going to tease someone, it's going to be a millionaire who's super wealthy, someone who's, you know, a part of the elite about, yeah, a hair loss condition. And you would think that with all this outrage that people thought Chris Rock made fun of someone who was dying or something. And that's not the case at all. That's a good point. Um, I think to piggyback off of what you said, there's a very um, hard concept about transparency. um, I think happening in our society right now. And especially when it comes to celebrities, I think that line between personal and private life um, has become blurred in that um, in that name of transparency. So um, I definitely think this was a personal moment that was that played out in the public eye. Um, and I definitely, you know, I, all the way around, I think it just is a, is a very bad book for um, Hollywood and, and where we are in terms of what we expect from where. <laughs> cultural icons, I guess, if we're going to hold them in that regard. Coming from Will Smith, who was, you know, Hollywood darling, right? In the 90s and 2000s. Like he, he really built up his, you know, really like good guy image for a long time. And to, to see that coming from him was, was kind of upsetting in my opinion. Like, I was like, oh wow, I really tore people's like, their, their, yeah, their expectations of him. And like who they thought he would be. And um, the crazy thing is, is that uh, an article just came out recently that the Academy asked him to leave and he didn't, and he just stayed. (laughs) So um, yeah, now they're like launching an investigation, like a formal review, even if Chris Rock isn't going to press charges, uh, the Academy itself is going to um, look into it to see what are the like disciplinary actions that would need to like take place 
for um for not only the slap but like his his um negligence you know and and not like leaving <laughs> didn't he get an award right afterward too mm-hmm. Best actor. yeah right. think about like half an hour later like 30 minutes later or so oh that's what, made, that's what made me think it was like ah oh, fuck this could be scripted like this could be scripted <laughs> Isn't it almost fitting, though, guys, to to have someone to be able to display such a range of emotions in a in a thirty second span? Right? He laughs at the joke. If you look, if you look at the clip, <laughs> yeah. he laughs yeah, at the joke, right. then gets upset, then slaps a man, mm-hmm. then fifteen minutes later is crying, going to be a rock for society and for culture and and for love. Right? So, um, I think well deserved. You yeah. you. You definitely are the best actor this year. <laughs> you ran the game. Right. My brain has been poisoned. I, uh, I, uh, was it, is it Chomsky with the manufacturing and the media spectacle and the elite power? That's all I view this whole thing as now. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's so I like, like deep in the theory hole right now. I am. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Conspiracy like, Pat. Conspiracy it's, Pat. I, it's never off, but yeah, it's just like, <laughs> We all have to have an opinion on it. We all have to have takes. It's clearly like some. I feel the most for I think Will Smith. I why does it matter who I feel for and all this is this whole <laughs> dialectic is just killing my brain. And then some of the people's opinions you see online, like the New York Times one, and it's just so. It it feels like, it feels like the like the elite are like okay care about this we're telling you to care about this care about it now. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the videographed four crimes happening in the current conflict in Europe. Don't pay attention <laughs> to the Pentagon <laughs> budget going up. Don't pay attention to all these other things. They're taxing the rich for yeah, they're taxing the rich. It's a new proposal, but it's not for healthcare, it's not for anything for the people. It's to increase the Pentagon's budget by like 70 billion here and there. And yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> To me, I, I just view it as celebrity dumb, like worshiping of personalities. Mm-hmm. And I think that that alone is just such a dangerous thing to do because it's like, it's such a, I mean, because like Brandon, you, you brought it up earlier, like um, with the blurred lines between uh, celebrities, personal lives and public lives. It's like once, once you are in any form of media, your privacy becomes all the more diminished. Mm-hmm. Um and the more you're in the public eye, the more there, I mean, the less chance you have of actually escaping it. And your entire life's going to be put up to scrutiny and people are going to have opinions on it. I mean, even like this conversation we're having right now, is like all brought full circle back to that same uh, narrative that's trying, I mean, that is being weaved, I should say, for better or worse. And I, I just think that uh, the worshiping of icons is like a very cautionary thing that people should engage with because it's it it ends up there's like a weird disconnect between uh you know engaging with your own life rather than engaging with somebody who you're building up in your own head and Mm -hmm. like even even with like shows like reality shows that follow around like celebrities and stuff and magazines that you know oh this person broke up with this person it's like it it seems like just fodder and it seems like uh 
like like the trough is being filled for people to just feed on well like pat mentioned all these other things are going on in the background and i like i i have a very cynical view of it um and i mean yeah it's entertaining that's that's the entire point of it it's entertainment and it's like bad press is also good press because like now the oscars like people are going to be tuning in next year oh what's going to happen this time are we going to bring bring back chris rock like all all these things that really do not fucking matter but um yeah like i i like just in 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 terms of like the entertainment factor i i did think it was fucking hilarious how they like were just applauding him after giving that one speech uh during his award because it's like oh my god like this is we're literally watching wrestling right now like this is (laughs) this is theater this is this is theater whether or not it's like real or constructed there is so much uh distortion that is going on right now only in this small little moment that happens to overshadow millions of other things that are going on and it's like of course we can't uh be aware of all of them all at once because it's like that you would just go insane doing that but it's like how it's i i'm a little bit saddened by how such a small thing like this can just overshadow everything else so easily and it's like it happened like what like four or five days ago and people are still fucking talking about a slap even though like it isn't justified but it's like there have been far worse things going on than this absolutely i mean especially within the last two years and to kind of quickly lose sight of that or be so enraptured by a like you said a slap is is it says a lot about you know what we look to or who we look to you know for guidance um in these times and i think you hit um on a very good point as well um the expectation or the building up of these icons in our mind um for when ultimately they they show their their true selves or um the person that you don't know them to be um which shatters that image you know it's not like will smith um isn't a father that has you know been upset or you know hasn't shown emotion before hasn't you know been a a full-blooded human being it's just that we've never seen this action from him before we've never seen it on this scale so therefore you know in a lot of people's minds his his reputation has been damaged his image has been damaged everything that he's done up until this point has been called into question but really it's it's one man reacting poorly um and in front of millions of people to note um and and now we're all talking about it yeah that's his first oscar win too like we can't even talk about that right like how we can congratulate him for finally winning an oscar for showing like how how great of an actor he is and yeah like i mean we do we do this like quite often right where we watch films we we love to praise the filmmakers or the actors or sometimes we subconsciously build up these like parasocial relationships with the actors that we love or the filmmakers that we uh, we keep track of um 
yeah, like I think we all kind of do it. I mean, especially as, as film lovers, like we can't help but to do that. I don't know for sure. I've kind of like calmed down in doing that, you know, like in trying to uh, follow too many of these like cerebral liberty gossip and relationships. Like in the end, like it doesn't really matter that much anymore. You know, I'm all for like just watching a really great film and being able to talk about it with my friends. And then, yeah, like just being able to talk about this story. I mean, everyone has flaws and nobody's perfect, right? And um, yeah, this is such a like a massive downfall for for an actor that like I, I grew up watching. And, um, you know, I feel bad for him, but I feel really bad for Chris Rock because he got humiliated and he took it like a champ. Well, I think that you bring up a, a really good talking point, Richie, uh, in that, you know, um, especially with the reputation that Will Smith had, like, ever since, like, his inception, it ties in really well to this movie that we're going to discuss in a bit, uh, which is Honey Boy. It was written by Shia LaBeouf and directed by Alma Harrell. And it's sort of a sort of an autobiographical take obviously with like fictionalized elements to it of Shia LaBeouf's own life in Hollywood and stuff. And he is yet another example of this type of icon who has been in the public image since they were a child. And then we've seen every single slip up, every single moment, whether for better or worse. Um, and yeah, it, it, I think that it, it's, it's, it's a very nice parallel uh, between these two, especially uh, with the argument of separating the art versus the artist. Um, I think that I I am a firm believer in that because any human being, if they can find it within themselves to create a work of art that can connect with other people, and if it does something to like alleviate anything or bring on any sort of clarity some sort of a new perspective in someone's life, or even just a moment to feel some catharsis. I think that they have done their job in creating a successful work of art. Now, when it comes to their personal life, um, you have like people like Kanye West, who's like yet another like music mogul who has like millions of fans and like all these other things, and it's considered like one of the greatest musicians of our time. Um, who has just completely gone off the rails recently or in recent times um, for one reason or another. But you have like people like that where when they have these moments of uh, weakness or they aren't acting in their, you know, in the, with their best face on, that's when it becomes a bit harder to uh, traverse over that line you know, of actually enjoying the artist while also enjoying the art. But, um, and it, it's strange too, because like when you have, when you have an artist that you really like, and then you have the piece of art that, you know, also speaks to you, they kind of elevate each other hand in hand. Like it, it could be a good thing, you know, but um, at the same time, it also has an equal, equally dangerous risk of, you know, it's like that cliche where it's like, don't meet your idols or don't meet your heroes. Um, cause they will never live up to the fantasy. And that's also, that plays like another role in like movies itself because it's like music is uh, not music, but, um, movies, they are, 
they are projections of fantasy put up on screen just for us to see and engage with. And it's even in like documentaries, there's a level of fantasy to them uh, because not everything is as real as witnessing it firsthand. Um, even then, like it's also due to, you know, memories uh, shifting over time and whatnot. But I, I think that the line between um, separating the artist from the artwork is something that always needs to be, always needs to be put um, at the forefront of things. Like whether or not like you're constantly focusing on it, it's, I I just think that it's important to create that divide, um, because you know we're all human, and if we can engage with something that another has created, you know during one of their better moments or who knows what, I think that that's and that's like one of the things that makes us human. Um, Absolutely, I think that was well said. Have Have you guys ever seen Community? Has anyone here seen Community at all? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it. Do you remember that? Ep- I mean, I think you might remember, but you remember that episode where uh, Troy meets Lavar Burton for the first time? I want to say that's familiar. Yes, the one where, like, because everyone knows that Lavar Burton is. Troy, who is Donald Glover's character, um, that's his childhood hero. But as soon as LeVar Burton shows up, he like freezes up and just like glares at him. Or like he kind of has like a almost like a panic attack. And everyone's wondering, like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, why is he acting out like that? And it's because like, you know, he's afraid of like disappointing his childhood hero and that he never ever wanted to meet him. He only wanted to a picture of him signed because like he said, you can't disappoint a picture. <laughs> and um, yeah, that became like a running joke, like a running gag on community. It was so funny. So that kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> I met, great uh, show. Great show. I met Ray Romano one time and boy, was that a disappointment? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was hella <laughs> funny. I was at like a golfing tournament for some reason that I was dragged along to when I was 15 and stupid 15 year old me was like oh my god that person's on tv and then i go up to him and i'm like may i shake your hand like a jackass and then he just kind of slaps it and goes and then just like walks away to the next hole (laughs) but i'm glad i had that moment though because i'm like even though i didn't even like ray romano i just happened to recognize him at the time Mm -hmm. Um, he should have piped a drive on his (laughs) t-box like What's up, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Great experiences meeting celebrities. (laughs) Who did you meet? Uh, I met Jim Kelly. No, wait, Bob Wall was mean. But Jim Kelly was cool. Afro Ninja himself. And then uh, Ralph Macchio. Although he said we, me and my friends look like the Big Bang. What's that, what's that shitty show? The Big Bang Theory? Yeah, it's like, you guys are like the Big Bang Theory. And I was like, excuse oh, me. Oh my God. Cool. <laughs> I'm done. Oh my God. Did you slap yes. him for that? No, he was really nice, actually. I'm he was just, just kidding. Like it was like an opening joke. Was that like a comic book con? And he was just chilling out alone and his, at his little autograph station and his publicist was there. 
And then I think we were like, Very let's cool. just ask if we could talk to him. And his publicist is like, oh, do you want to talk to him? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. They seem nice. And then, yeah, we just talked for like 10 minutes and left. I was really lucky. And that's it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I don't think I've met like any celebrities. Or ever even spoke to a celebrity. I met Isaiah Thomas. I've met like a pro skater. That's cool. That counts. That's cool. I'd count that. Yeah. It's like yeah, I met uh, Corey Duffel. I don't know if any of you guys know who Corey Duffel is. or uh boys. Yep, Corey I Duffel. I do, yep. The OG Hesh Master. <laughs> yep. I met um, Jerry O'Connell from Kangaroo Jack. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he shook my hand. He's a super nice guy. Um, yep. on a set of a co- a comedy that he was doing, and I was like an extra, and he like literally went around and shook everyone's hand. He's super nice. Um, I don't remember anyone else. Yeah, other than him, I met Isaiah Thomas from when he played for the Sacramento Kings. And yeah, my interactions have been uh, pretty positive. I'd say. Nice. And in your turn, who have you seen? Celebrity wise, man, I don't think that I seen too many people I'm trying to think off the top of my head i once pa'd on a gordon ramsay set he seemed like a nice guy never met him well i mean he like spoke to me kind of in passing but other than that no, i never really met him but i will say i saw him stop and talk to just some random couple on the street for about 10 minutes and like it really looked like he was engaged and like <laughs> taking in everything that they were saying so seems like a good dude Awesome. I'm jealous. That sounds like a cool one. Oh, oh, I met Uriah Faber, the UFC fighter. Oh, that is true. About I, that one. That's a that's a good point. I have met him too. You met <laughs> him too? Yeah, I nice. I, uh, I have met him. And the uh the other guy, Josh Emmett, uh really good dude. Another UFC fighter from Sacramento as well. Oh nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uriah Faber came to my high school. My bad. Oh, really? <laughs> Did he do yeah, like a he, speech or something? He, he went to he went to Lincoln. Did he beat up the bullies? Oh, no, nice. he came at lunch. And <laughs> what's funny is I remember thinking like, there's a lot of commotion going on. I'm gonna like <laughs> go off campus at lunch because <laughs> I think I was like a sophomore, and they would only let juniors and seniors off campus at lunch. I was like, I'm gonna go to McDonald's. Because I had a car at the time, but I couldn't get off campus. But I did want to get a picture with Uriah Faber. I just didn't want to wait in the line. I knew everybody was going to want a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shook his hand. He's a cool guy. Met him at a bar. I'm like, hey, wait, I know you. And he just yeah, shook my hand. <laughs> I really want to meet that... Uh... That lady from Sacramento. Jessica won. Chastain. Yes. She won. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, she yes, was she in, did. Uh, we did one of her movies for the podcast. Um, take Shelter? Yeah, Take Shelter. She's the yeah, CIA. Yeah, she's great. For sure. <laughs> she's definitely wait, CIA. I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> wait, what do you mean? I don't, I'm just doing a joke about she's in like the <laughs> she's in all the she's in all the like wars the war on terror was good movies that recently came out. Like the one where they kill Osama. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Benghazi one and like one or she two. She was in Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Is she in Sicario as well? No, no. That's the other actress. I think you're talking about Emily Blunt. Okay, yes. the other yeah. red-haired. Well, yeah, no, yeah, that that's fully overshadowed the fact that she won um, Best Actress in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, she did such a good job. She's in that so film. good. Oh my! You seen that? that? I saw that uh, maybe a month or two ago. Uh, but yeah, really great film for anybody that hasn't seen it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. She and uh, Andrew Garf- Garfield, uh, excuse me, do a great job of portraying, yeah. portraying uh, Jim and Tammy Faye. Hell yeah! And so now that's Brie Larson and um, Jessica Chastain, mm-hmm. both from Sacramento. And? Represent. Ray Larson's from Sacramento? Yeah. I didn't even know that. And, and who, Pat? I don't remember the third person. You're, fitting, you're forgetting a very influential name. Rush Limbaugh. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, he won an Oscar? No. I'm, oh, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Sacramento people. <laughs> what are you talking oh, about? No. We got uh, Ryan Coogler, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that one. Zach State. Well, he isn't, but he's not from Sacramento. Is I don't he? Think he's from Sac, but I mean, he went to Sac State. Yeah, I think he's from the Bay Area. He's from Oakland, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, Bay. Tom Hanks went to Sac State for like a semester. <laughs> I don't it's think. Like, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're gonna be like representing <laughs> Sacramento. Like, yeah, we love it here. <laughs> That's why yeah. you support Rush, right? <laughs> hmm. I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do my bit. My little force <laughs> rush on you guys a bit. Um, I do want to talk briefly about a movie that I watched recently, though, before we talk about the, our main movie. Is that uh, I recently watched um, Kiroshi Kurosawa Kurosawa's Cure. Has anyone ever heard of Cure, the 1997 um, like serial killer Japanese film? Um, I think you guys, I think you can watch it on Criterion, and um, I saw the full version on YouTube, which is great. Um, yeah, it's about a a detective who is trying to solve these series of murders, um, and they all have a similar pattern where like an ex is um carved across their bodies and all the victims were killed by um not by one singular individual but by multiple people however um there is one person who's always nearby the investigation who is linked to all the killings and um yeah i was so like deeply um immersed into this movie I haven't seen a movie like this since like maybe um, Zodiac, like these serial killer movies where you're super addicted and you want to find out and solve the case yourself. And um, now it's like jumped up there to like maybe like some of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's so incredible. Uh, I believe the uh, the director of Drive My Car um, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, I think he 
was mentored under um, under Kurosawa because um, he really loved his films, especially uh, and Kur was one of them. And yeah, it's such it's such a great movie. It's if you want to be like psychologically terrified, there's also some imagery that I can't like forget in this movie. It's so um, yeah, it's so thrilling and. It's so disturbing and chilling and just all of those things that you wouldn't, uh, yeah, you don't really get nowadays from modern, from modern horror and detective stories. So yeah, I watched that one recently. Wanted to bring that out there before I forget. All right. And I think that, uh, we can now transition into talking about initial impressions of Honey Boy. Um, this movie was picked by Brandon, uh, this week and Brandon, I was curious if, um, you could provide us with like a little bit of background on how you found this movie, what made you pick this one and also your impressions of it. Sure. Um, how I found this movie, I'm a big Shia LaBeouf fan first and foremost. So any project um, he puts out, I do, um, my ears tend to go up. So um, when I found out he was di- or uh, writing this project and it was going to be semi um, autobiographical, I just was, you know, d- super excited um, to sort of see his take on um, not only his childhood experience as an actor, but sort of the um, connection and relationship that he had with his father, especially after learning that he was going to be playing his his father or portraying his father in some form or fashion. Um, I, yeah, I had to tune in. And so um, my first initial impressions, I was excited. First and foremost, I was um, eager to kind of see where we were going to go, if it was going to touch sort of um, his youth or if it was going to be just a straight up take on, you know, his formative years. Um, so I was very um, surprised by the um, style in which he chose to tell this story. But um, I, I, my overall impression, I, I, I love the film. And just to provide a little bit of background on the movie itself, um, this movie, of course, uh, as Brandon mentioned, was written by Shia LaBeouf, and I believe that he wrote or he had the idea to write this movie um, during his stay in rehab. And yeah, he ended up coming out of it with the script and then linked up with Alma Harrell, who has uh, done a lot of, uh, I want to say she did a lot of documentary work beforehand. Um, She's most well known for Bombay Beach, but uh, the synopsis of Honey Boy which uh, screened in 2019, is the story of a child star attempting to mend his relationship with his law-breaking, alcohol-abusing father over the course of a decade. And uh, my initial impressions of this movie, um, when I first saw the previews to it, I immediately was hooked on a lot of the imagery that I was seeing. and also just on the background of it as well, um, I went into, I tried to go into it as cold as I could, 
I saw it in theaters by myself. And by the end of the movie, I was in tears. Uh, this movie really hit home for me. Uh, just the whole dynamic between um, a parent and their child being fractured, especially a father figure in that way, really stood out to me. And I ended up walking away from the movie feeling so much catharsis. And uh, especially with the way that uh, the director and everyone else like handled this very turbulent dynamic between the two, uh, between uh, the, the father and the son in this movie, all throughout you know, the course of that decade. Um, the, the imagery, this, this was my second time watching it um, after that first time. And this time around, I noticed that a lot of the imagery was really, uh, I was focusing on that a lot more, as well as um, a lot of the, the cuts. Because the, first and foremost, when I first watched it, the story took me by storm. Um, but this time around was really, I was trying to study it because this is, I, I really enjoy this movie. And I loved the feel of it. And I think that that is mainly due in, in a lot, it's mainly due to the location, uh, the lighting, as well as the, the camera work. Because everything feels so fluid in this and the cutting feels very natural. And I think that that's why it was so seamless to me the first time around that I watched it. And it made me have an even, an even deeper uh, respect for this movie, as well as um, just because there's so much heart in it. And you could tell that, you know, all, you know, it, it, you can't, it's very hard to separate the two of, you know, this being like a, a very, a very tender piece of uh, history in regards to Shia LaBeouf's life and going throughout Hollywood and everything and his dynamic with this father. But it, I feel like it was during my first watch through, I was kind of worried that it was going to be a, a portrait of hatred and resentment. And I'm very glad that it turned out the way that it did. And yeah, I really enjoyed watching it again. It only made me appreciate it even more this time around. Yeah, um, for me, I I also, this is my second time viewing the movie. I think I watched it like pretty soon right after it came out because same for your, like brandy you were saying like i'm super drawn to shia labeouf like i grew up watching even stevens and everything and obviously we've all followed like kind of like the fallout of his career or you know the temporary fallout of his career i would say um so i was super drawn into this movie and the first time i watched it same thing like you said kevin i was just like drawn into the story and i was just like so sucked in like this movie just like it's it just sucks you in and it's super you know just washes over you and then it's you know it's a tough watch but um i don't know at the same time it like i don't know it, it is like a therapy session obviously too you know like with 
everything going on within the film at the beginning with him in rehab and everything. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, this movie just hits super hard. And like, I love, like, I love the performance from Shia LaBeouf as his dad. Like, I feel like that's just that in itself. Like, I think that's a slept on performance of, like that's that that has got to be a really hard thing to do to write a movie like this and then also perform as your father being this painful influence on your life. Um, yeah. So I just think all in all, when you consider everything that has gone into this movie, I think it's yeah, it's a great movie. It's beautiful and it's tough, but that's life. Uh, I actually am not super familiar with Shia LaBeouf outside of his uh, film uh, background or his film roles. Uh, but I really, I know enough about him. I have context, but I didn't watch like even Stevens or his Nickelodeon shows he was on. I, I think it was Disney. Disney. I, I missed those growing up. But this film, I found extremely endearing uh i love the whole feeling around it it feels uh very not uh i don't want to say pure actually very pure and it feels more like a therapeutic exorcism or just uh it feels like a pure film like more it's meant it's meant as a desire to share it feels a lot more like a desire to share instead of like any other ulterior motive of like profit or recognition or any of these other things, just something about it feels extremely interpersonal. And uh, yeah, the film achieves that really well. I love certain aesthetics present in the film. They resonate with me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I came in blind. I was only aware that he plays his father and then I was thoroughly impressed with the film. For me, this was my first time watching the movie. And I am somewhat familiar with Shia LaBeouf's work. I, I liked him in, in Fury and um, his other like supporting uh, roles. Um, like I, I always uh, liked him uh, like in the first Transformers movies. That's where I first got exposure to him. And I really liked him in this Western called Lawless. And um, yeah, I think he's always proven to be a really, really good actor. Um, but it was kind of hard for me to like uh, not recall how his behavior is in, in, in the real world, especially like, you know, in the past year where he's like gotten fired from films for like harassing people, like harassing actresses on set. She like working with Olivia Wilde where he, uh, he got kicked off. He was hired for the project and then got kicked off. So like watching this film was really interesting because he is very much aware of his, of his uh, shortcomings and, um, and how like, growing up with this uh, relationship with his dad kind of influenced 
who he is now as a person. And I, uh, I just really hope like he continues to work on that because it seems like he's been working on it for a very long time and he's in his mid thirties now and yeah, and he's still going through that. So I hope, you know, he's doing better, but, uh, as for the film, yeah, I thought the, I thought his performance was really, really great. It's probably the best one besides Noah, uh, Jupe who plays the younger version of him. I always loved all those scenes when they, when they go back to him and that storyline. Um, I thought Lucas Hedges, uh, did pretty good at sounding like him. Um, besides that, I didn't really care much about like that side of the story. I was really more invested about like the younger version of him. And, um, yeah, I liked the directing, especially in the beginning with the montage sequences. I thought that was really, really strong the way they put that together. Um, yeah, I just love that comparison between that young version and the, and the older version. And it just made me think about like, oh, which films were, was he shooting for back then? And like, I wonder what projects he was working on. Cause I can, I can, um, kind of point them out. Like he was shooting holes. He was shooting like you know, transformers and all these other projects. And yeah, it made me more interested in his life. That's for sure. And, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty well made. You touch on a very, um, big portion of this movie is, is the relationship between a parent and a child. And, um, in the beginning of this film, um, the father figure of, of Otis or, or Shia's um, younger self is, is very much um, self-invested in, in, you know, whatever he can get out of the relationship between his child and himself. But I think uh, towards the end of that film, we definitely see the transition in that he understands um, more so than he is living through his son. Um, and that his son, um, the, that everything that he has is wrapped up into his child. And um, for them to come sort of full circle in that moment um, and gain a sense of respect for each other, maybe not necessarily um, coming to see eye to eye or coming to terms with one another, but just understanding that, you know, they are at the end of the day, both human um, and, and trying to navigate um, the current situation that they're in, which is um, a huge um, point in that many uh, parents and children are doing the same exact thing, just navigating where they are in the current situation and trying to figure things out. I think that's really well said. Um, shall we all give our ratings? Yeah. Sure. Uh, for me, I would definitely say uh, it's a it's a four point five for me. The acting performances, the the story, it it is um, something that hits very much home for me. So I, I definitely love the film, and I would would watch it three, four, or five times over. Uh, I'll give it a 
4.25. Uh, it's really good. It's just missing for me that little extra sauce for like a five out of five. But aside from that, everything about it comes together so well. Uh, the most impressive thing I can think of for it is the, uh, if, again, back to the therapeutic aspect. It feels like it's his voice coming through. And uh, to me, like some of the stuff, like the uh, the modern day Otis character in rehab uh, doesn't resonate with me, but it, it feels clearly like it's uh, Shia's voice, Shia's experiences. It's not as investing or enthralling as the childhood stuff or the him growing towards the end stuff. But uh, aside from that one, like small thing, it's a really, really good overall movie. And I'm very impressed with uh, his. Uh, I wouldn't expect it from an actor or even like a former Disney kid to have this much to say. And I really appreciate the movie for that. I am also going to give it a 4.25 out of 5. Um, it's an improvement over my first rating that I had for it. Um, I think that the things that were missing for me is that um, had mainly to do with pacing. Um, uh, it was brought up earlier, the montage at the very beginning. That is such an excellent hook to capture... The viewer's attention and from that moment on i was in i was really transfixed by the narrative um even just the there's so many unique uh motifs and uh emotional beats that you can tell exactly what is going on on almost like an instinctual and intuitive level uh inside the character's head and i really enjoyed how they were able to um juxtapose each of the events going on or you know these these uh these little vignettes uh between young otis and older otis and seeing how all of these little moments that happened between he and james you know like where james would like comment on something and it would just stick with him and you could just like there's this one it's not necessarily spoiler territory but there's this one thing that I picked up on uh at the beginning of the movie where um Otis is trying to you know urinate and then his brother or no uh James his dad uh comments on how he has like a small penis and then like it happens like later on in the movie that we go back to like older Otis and then he's in the uh bathroom by himself trying to urinate and he's having trouble with it and like it's such like a tiny little moment of a of that just sheds so much light on like character depth and it just only expands like my compassion for this broken individual who is trying their best to heal but is but is just kicking and screaming all the way you know during that entire journey and it's just such a fascinating portrait of, of uh, trauma and like healing. And I honestly kept forgetting that Shia LaBeouf was even like pretending to be his dad throughout it all because like he, it's like he does such an, an it's not even like tr him trying to be like, Hey, I'm playing my dad. 
he he's playing like almost like a, a like a caricature of this this type of a, a archetype of of a father or a or a parental figure and he embodies it so well that it could I mean you could put any face on it and it would just work um the the communication and the dynamics between James and young Otis are just so raw and so they they really hit hard for me because you can just see the tension building and like like I I've had like instances like that too where you have to like walk on eggshells around somebody and then all of a sudden like you you can never tell when they're gonna snap but you know that something's building and they do this thing where it's like the certain type of personality. I don't know if it's like an egotistical narcissist or like anything like that, or just someone who is just so broken that they feel like everyone's out to get them. But um, they do this thing where like, once you kind of, uh, once they feel slighted against their ego, they like do this thing where they kind of withdraw into themselves and then they like hold on to it and they, they like stew on it. And every and like every moment onward after that, they um they're constantly trying to you know let this let the conversation uh, go out, sort of in like an ebb and flow manner to where they can like just crash the wave right back down on that person, right because it gives them the power in that in that aspect you know, and there were so many brilliant moments that like demonstrated that, and. The depth, the character depth is what really got me in this. Um, but yeah, uh, Pat, what you were saying about like, you know, it missing like that certain thing, like I I felt the same way too. Like it feels like it's it's getting to that moment of like transcending like the semi-autobiographical movie and and blooming into something that is like a pristine work of art that is like timeless. Um that's not to say that it can't age up to that over time because who knows. But um, for me, it, it mainly had to do with the pacing. Uh, a lot of the instances between young Otis and I think her, I think she's listed as a shy girl uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and the whole dynamic between like all the other people at the hotel, I feel like it kind of uh, lost its steam whenever it went into that kind of side story. Um, although, I do recognize why it was there. I just think that it kind of took away from uh, from any sort of uh, building that could have been going on with older Otis too. Um, because I feel like we got a lot of him, but we didn't get that much depth in, inside of uh, older Otis. We just kind of saw him in his angry moment and learning how to cope with them. But it's like we're... I was kind of hoping to see like some of the more sweeter moments with him and, or even just like a whole much more variety with them because we get the full well-rounded package with young Otis, but not with older Otis. And I feel like that's the thing that was missing for me. Otherwise, I adore this movie. I adore it so much. And it, it every time it gets to the ending, I will always cry because this movie is so comforting. And you could just tell that there's so much heart put into it. You better make me look good, honey boy. (laughs) 
Oh, don't do it, Ty. <laughs> That's such a great like last last line to a movie. But uh for me, I will give it uh I'm giving it the yeah, same as Brandon, four and a half out of five. I really didn't have a problem with this movie. Um I think it's just like I think it it really is. It really does feel like a like a genuine like reflection on one's life who has been troubled and I I just think it's a beautiful story of you know like coming to terms with your trauma and whether or not you want to forgive the person you know you I guess you he's at least understand you know you can understand the person or empathize with them and I think that's another thing with this movie too. I think it, uh, it really has a, I think it like embodies like empathy and, you know, just even, you know, everyone has like, I guess like troubles with family and everything, but I guess, you know, you're stuck with, you, you can't choose your family. You're stuck with your family. So you can try to empathize with them, but, um, yeah, I think it was just a a really beautiful movie, and I didn't really. I think uh, one thing I would mention is I I didn't really ha- I I actually enjoyed the scenes with like the people in the hotel and stuff. Like, I kind of just got like a dreamy vibe to it of like people trying to find somebody to connect with, and you know, it's like it almost felt like a bunch of like lost souls and. You know, people are just trying to find somebody to, like, find love or find, you know, just a connection with. But, um, yeah. This is a great movie. Good pick. Thank you for the pick, Brandon. No problem. I agree with uh, what you said, for sure. Definitely a great film. Um, I would give the movie a 3.75 out of 5. I very much enjoyed it for the most part. I think what was missing um, was just the the present day stuff with with Otis being older. Um, I thought that the rehab scenes weren't as engaging as um, the scenes when he was a child. And so that kind of, um, yeah, that kind of dropped the rating down a little bit for me. Uh, I kind of wish they, like uh, someone said, like develop that side more because um, I thought Lucas Hedges did a a pretty good job. And yeah, I did want to see um, what else is going on besides him just kind of meandering um, in this therapy session. But uh, yeah, besides that, I really liked Shia LaBeouf in the role. Like he was really excellent. I thought he should have gotten more recognition for this film. Um, I guess because it's like an Amazon Studios movie, it probably didn't get as much recognition because of its. You know, it was a streamer pick and, you know, a couple of years ago. And, um, yeah, Noah Jupe, wow, he did such a great job. I I remember him from 
a quiet place. Uh, I thought it was this, this role was a huge step up because, um, yeah, he was, I don't know. I didn't really like him in a quiet place, but this one, wow, he's incredible. And yeah, he showed off so much range. And, um, the fact that like Shia LaBeouf was able to write the script on his own. And I think he did such a great job with the dialogue. Like I love the dialogue. Like I love that. Um, we felt so immersed into that world and yeah, like I really love the, the editing and the cinematography and certain scenes was very beautiful. Um, yeah. And, uh, enjoy it. FKA twigs as shy girl. Um, I, I like her music. I've listened to her before seeing her uh, in movies. And yeah, she's a really, really talented artist. And I hope she continues to grow as an actress because, um, yeah, her, her music is, yeah, really, really good. And, um, yeah, I'm, I implore everyone to check her out too. Um, and yeah, that's my rating. Let's go ahead and move on into spoilers. Okay. And uh, just repeat it. Okay. I can try. I have long ago forgiven you, James. Who are you talking to? But I'm not the one oh. that had to jump out of a moving car. Here we go. So you didn't Here we go me. with this fucking victim shit. She does here every we time go she with calls this up fucking here. victim she shit. She goes on and on every time she fucking calls up here. Say it in the phone. Every fucking time. You were the biggest love of my life. Well, then treat me better, bitch! Do you know what I went through? What, who, what, motherfuck, what, 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 I went, what, who went through? They put me in a fucking box, I didn't even, what is the point of calling up here? Fuck! I was always there God, for you. God, get outside. You know what the fuck I do? I put my fucking ass on the line every fucking day! For this board! For this board! Um, so we start off. Love the opening. Yep, with the opening, that wonderful opening. Yeah, I definitely think we could we could talk a little bit about the opening. Um, should I start? Go for it. Okay. Um, so yeah, beautiful, beautiful montage of sort of the um the experience that Otis goes through in making a film. Older Otis, we open with that. Um, right away, he is being hooked up to a, a a stunt rig, and is is yanked back violently through the film through the frame. And um, the montage it ends with this beautiful sort of echo of his words, which are, you know, why am I here? And I think that really sets up um both stories in in you know young otis kind of questioning why you know why him why he is in this position why his relationship with his father is the way it is um why he probably can't have a sense of normalcy um and then for older otis i definitely think that's something that is is highly prevalent um, for him in that, you know, he is searching for meaning and purpose and, and reason behind, um, that childhood experience that he had. But I think 
um, to just piggyback off that really quickly. Um, he says it very beautifully. Um, style above does his, his father figure. I'm sorry. Uh, James, uh, says it very beautifully, um, that, you know, you're in, you're it, you've, you know, you've made it. Um, but none of this is real and that makes it more valuable. Um, and I think that that is, is just very poetic, um, in that he's trying to describe their, not only the, the concept of celebrity to his 12 year old son, but, um, that, you know, value is based on nothing really based on opinion. Um, so yeah, well, just, just my take on, on that, uh, opening montage. I agree with a lot of that. And I love the, uh, the direct references in that first montage, like the opening, it's a clearly like a transformers set mm-hmm. and yeah, he's just not into it. And then he does this one line and they yank him back violently. And then there's like a bunch of other references, but they're all like, again, violent oriented. And yeah, it's a bit of the, he he's in, he's made it as an actor celebrity, but he, he doesn't want that. His fil- the films are nothing. They're just schlock to him. It se- seems like, and yeah, like he just, he, he wanted what his dad withheld from him. Like you mentioned beautifully, but, what they wanted for him was to chase something that's not real and like, Oh, you made it. You don't have a loving relationship or a positive childhood or the, all these other aspects, but you've made it as a celebrity and he's just standing there surrounded by destruction, waiting to be pulled by a rip cord. And he's like, Oh, what, why'd I do any of this? Did I ever have a choice? I just wanted to be loved. It's like, it's a great communicator to me of that. And then, yeah, like it's, all the great stuff that goes wrong. It's really well said. This is there. I love the uh, shy girl. Uh, for writing, by like a, I did not expect such a good, like Freudian character. For young Otis, where it's like a, yeah, it's like a, it's a very unsettling window into this, uh, you know, like low class Americana, American nineties energy, like living in motels. Uh, you see an old man lusting after what I assume is a teenager. And then that man's son is looking to this teenager without any connection to him as like a surrogate mother, but also it's a lover figure and all this is like communicated like the depth in that character, even though it's not explicit and it kind of feels like maybe one way at first, but if you analyze, if you look at it with that kind of lens, I think it's like a deeper, like idealized female, whatever archetype. He's exploring with that character. And I was like, oh, I was surprised by it. I thought it was going to be like some grimy twist or build up or conflict in the future. And in the end, I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of tasteful. It's like a little window. Yeah, I kind of agree with some of what you said, Pat. Um, she does come off as this maternal figure, especially in that one particular scene 
when um they were imitating like they're I think they were like imitating playing baseball or something uh is that correct um yeah I really like that scene in particular between those two and um yeah it I don't know I'm really conflicted about it because like yeah like in one hand he looks to her um for comfort and looking to her for you know um that maternal feminine energy and at the but in the other way like it turns into like this sort of relationship and yeah i think it can be both like it can be also intimate but also like really strange um I don't know, especially on the heels of like people coming after Zoe Kravitz and her like creeping on Jaden Smith when he was like 14. It's like, uh, it's just really weird, you know, like that dynamic probably happens more than we know. I mean, yeah, it's Hollywood. So like, um, the fact that it's out there and nobody really talked about it. Um, but she was like 10 years older than Jaden Smith at the time. And she was like clearly like lusting after him. And nobody really like. I'm sorry. I was gonna say in this film, it's not, it's not a celebrity. This is just like that. Right. Like, exactly. Right. About the celebrity being preyed upon. It's like mm-hmm. oh, go down the street. There's, there's there's tons of people being preyed upon in our culture. Right. Yeah. So if it's right out there in the open, and, and you know, in that perspective, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how often these things are going on. So. Um, yeah, on the other hand, I'm I'm more, maybe I'm more cynical and I kind of see the ugly side of it. So um it, we, it just goes to show how unhealthy of a relationship he's had with both of his parents, not just with um James, but with his mom too and her not being there as much cuz she's working so much. So um yeah, it's just, just an awful situation in my opinion. <laughs> That he was in. I love all the quotes that uh, Honey Boy's dad had in this movie. (laughs) 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 He had a lot of he had a lot of uh, shitty one liners or like just good dad jokes. That's what my it's that I can appreciate. Like growing up, like I'm like, dude, yeah, we've all like, I mean. We all memorized our own like versions of those from our parents. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? He's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, your dick looks like a golf pencil or shit. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, um, I think another one there, like talking about like girls. He's like, they're not like those. Strip club girls is like these girls got an education. He's like Dolly Parton, like Dolly Parton, she's got her shit together. He's like, what? And he's like, Dolly Parton has a theme park. You don't got a fucking theme park. <laughs> yeah, great just dad quotes all all over this film. Just the like you said, just those little nuances and quotes that we all, you know, we grow up hearing every day or every other day and, and we take with us, you know, well into adulthood. 
Right. We should start doing instead of dad jokes, dad quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Just compile all the dad quotes. I did. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed uh, like a lot of the rehab scenes, though. Like, especially, I forget his name, like his like roommate in rehab. Uh, I can't think of his name, but I like could. they're. Oh, we're oh, gonna say Percy. Uh, yeah, go on, go on. Percy. It's. But there's like a scene where they're talking about. I think um, it's like right after they go in the pool and they're like all hugging themselves and it's like the hug circle, and then they're like outside like after smoking cigarettes, and Percy's he's um Shia LaBeouf's like I don't fucking got time for this shit like he's over rehab, and Percy's like. Bro, my fucking cousin's in prison for eight years. Like, what the fuck do you know about time? And I think earlier in that too, Percy says like it's his fourth time in rehab. And uh, yeah, like I just I really enjoyed that that little instance right there because it's like, I guess whatever it's his fourth time, but I think finally at least Percy himself at that moment has he has perspective and you know like just like a good outlook on life like he's like okay yeah you're tripping about like this you're here he's like bro if i told my cousin this shit like i'm in i'm in a pool hugging myself <laughs> like he's in fucking prison so i uh i just enjoyed that like that that perspective you know, you know like being grateful for just the situation you're you're at even if you're like down like in the dumps like you can still have perspective and be grateful even for what you have in that shitty moment in life. I had a personal hang up with that. That part of the movie was, I can admit it's a purely rational thing for me, but like the, the uh, juxtaposition of like Otis's childhood stuff with the, the rehab experience. It's like a, maybe it's like a classist angle coming out in me. Where it's like, I don't care nearly as much about Shia's rehab experiences after he's a celebrity. And like, I, I probably should, but like, I care about the ending stuff where he's like genuinely reflecting on his relationship with his father and the great images that invokes with the images of his childhood. And it's just like, there's like this middle period of him at rehab. It just doesn't land with me. Like, I have, I'm not as emotionally invested as I am with the stuff of him in the motel or him outside of the rehab after but yeah it's just like a, maybe maybe it's like a thing i can't separate in my head like it's all the same guy it's all shy sharing his <laughs> stuff i should be more forgiving but uh no I'm, I'm with there with you patrick on that one but it could just be yeah but maybe maybe we're being too judgmental then because it's still just the same guy but it's just narratively or in the film it doesn't land as much as the other stuff but i could just be nitpicking like I, I do see what you're saying, Tyler, about appreciating that. I do appreciate like the the comical moments and like uh, how Kevin mentioned his childhood stuff is present. And we see that in the rehab, like the. Uh, him going to urinate at night and they're like, yeah, the it has a little trickle and then it goes and he's like conscious about the uh, power of the stream, which is pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then Percy like unintentionally probably invoking some of that stuff he's working through when he's doing a joke about 
the door. I'm like, yeah, use your muscles or <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't mean yeah. it to come across, but you can see with someone of his background it being like an attack on him and now there's resentment in him. Whenever I'm gonna use the restroom now, like I'm gonna make sure to pee like extra harder. I'm gonna like be so <laughs> insecure about that. <laughs> Or like when using the restroom in public or something, I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm going to, you know, <laughs> be a powerful uh, bathroom user. <laughs> Bring a water bottle to pour down the toilet while I'm going. <laughs> uh, I was pretty disappointed by the fact that uh, in the present day, when he gets into that car crash with his girlfriend, um... Sandra, I believe, and she's played by Megan Monroe, and I really like her in It Follows, and um, there was another movie called Villains, so I was kind of taken aback when she was literally like only in one scene, and they barely like showed her character, and then like after that she's like gone, and I'm just like, wow, they really casted her in this film to be in one scene, like she's a really good actress, so. I kind of wish they, uh, I don't know, brought that back or did something with that, but I don't know. I thought those rehab scenes, in my opinion, were kind of a, not that interesting. Although I do agree, like the, the pool scene was pretty cool. It had some like good quotes and dialogue, but besides that, um, it wasn't that interesting to me. Even with like the therapy sessions and stuff, it wasn't, it wasn't doing anything for me on a personal level and um although like i like the ending with that character uh just the rest of that stuff could i could have gone without i think it kind of halted the movie and um yeah but i don't know my favorite scene was the confrontation between james and tom and uh yeah the whole barbecue scene and like pushing him into the pool oh my god and he Shia or Shia LaBeouf delivered like such a crazy line before shoving him to the pool. I'm like, I I don't even remember everything he said. It was so like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd have to agree that entire sequence was probably one of my favorite sequences of the entire movie, just because of the just because of the buildup to that explosive moment, like it was planted really earlier or early on into the movie. Um, after Otis comes home from a shooting one day and, uh, they have like a mini blowout in the hotel room, you know, as, uh, James is trying to, uh, wait, is that the scene where, uh, he's going to get his socks out of the laundry room or something like that? I believe and so. Then, yeah, and like about the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're talking about the baseball game, and you could tell that uh, James is just completely elsewhere. Like he's not even paying attention to like Otis's. You know, uh, I think he's trying to memorize lines for a script, and he keeps like asking for the call sheet because he just keeps forgetting the details, and he keeps yelling at people from across the hotel, which I I really loved, like that dynamic. Uh, how they were, you could tell that there was just so much more going on in the background of that environment. But um, anyways, uh, when uh, Otis finally, you could see him tiptoeing to try and get the outcome that he's wanting. 
while also not while refraining from telling the entire story uh, to James because he knows him so well. And uh, I really like that scene because um, as they're going to like take the laundry out, uh, you could tell that like uh, James gets really hung up on one detail, on one missing detail of who's going to be driving them. And then he takes it as like a personal attack on him uh, where he feels like Otis is trying to get, you know, a leg up on him because that's just he he's always in fight or flight mode and is always trying to be like the dominating force in any type of conversation. And when it doesn't go his way, he goes for like a sneak attack to catch them while they're uh, while they're not as suspecting. And, you know, he. He says, like, oh, well, so-and-so's parents are going to be, they're out in, like, this uh, vacation and yada, 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 and your friend's only 14, so who's driving you? Because he knows that he's, he's like, trying to humiliate and back Otis into a corner to show him how much power he has over him. And uh, Otis finally, like, says, oh, well, you know, it's Tom. And you could just see, like, it just wash over, like, that realization, that cold realization mm-hmm. of uh, having... James's own uh, ego and masculinity put into question because to him, like being a man is his core or at least his very skewed warped version of what being a man is. Um, And he just gets quiet (laughs) and you could tell that that's when it gets planted. That's when the seed gets planted for that explosive sequence. Um, I I love the, when they finally meet all the, like you can see him building the final confrontation yeah, the like, tension yeah like the little digs like he's like oh oh that's a nice ford you got there and then he's like lifting up the hood he's like oh yeah uh down on had, road like, dead yeah yeah exactly and he's like oh yeah well uh the suspensors like i noticed that they're that they're different he's like, and then tom's like oh no they aren't and then he's like trying to uh one up in each other yeah yeah <laughs> and he's like taking take, all these little digs at him take off your jacket it's hot <laughs> Like the like, fact oh, yeah, he tells them to take it off and they tom's like okay i'm not taking it off it's like another that's a future thing that comes forward where he grabs him by it mm-hmm. i love all the details in that little scene about like the yeah like you're mentioning yeah. that. it's like such a masterful sequence of like building that explosive moment for a character to pop off in that kind of story because it's like to me that was such a realistic uh por- portrayal of that kind of uh, emotional outburst from from uh, happening. And you could also see um, there's so many great moments that also, I mean, it, Tom almost becomes like a, a motif, uh, a parallel uh, kind of like schematic for uh, James to compare himself to throughout the entirety of the movie. Even... Um, long after that sequence is, has come and gone uh who who comes out of their rescue for getting them their their passports oh tom does because he's the better person he's in he's with i believe he's with otis's mom mm-hmm. um and like he's just doing he's just doing all these things to try and help otis out because he feels like deep in his heart that he just you know obviously a cares about this this kid and B just wants to give back. Like it's, it reminds me of um this one instance 
that I had in high school where uh, there's this one guy who um, everybody loved and adored. And he was just like the most vibrant person in the room. And I met this one person who absolutely despised them purely for that exact same reason. And they just viewed this person as being false. And, and like it was all just an act. There's this uh, really brilliant moment in the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting where uh, James is listening to one of his like fellow uh, or one of the uh, his fellow colleagues in that meeting talk about like a very deep and personal story. And it becomes so sentimental to the point where he just can't even bear to take it. And he walks out and immediately starts going into fight mode because he doesn't want to like come to the come to grips with like his own failings as a as a father as an individual as a lover as a teacher as anything and i think that 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 scene is so successful in demonstrating like that type of uh thinking because of how raw and authentic it it is like i've seen so many people during like my lifetime who share similar qualities to James constantly fall victim to their, to their own hand because they're just so afraid of uh, connecting with like their inner child and like telling them, you know, like, Hey, it's okay. Like, you know, you were hurt. That's okay. And like, people didn't like you in this moment and that's also okay. It, it Don't let it like dictate you from this point onward. Like, you're never going to live it down otherwise. And finally, we get that release when it's, like, at a later meeting in the same, not, I don't know, I don't know if it's, like, the same location, but it's, like, another meeting, and it's, like, this very rare glimpse into James's personality that is completely unveiled. From all the curtains, all the gags, all the clown ambitions, all the jokester sensibilities, all these like false macho beliefs. We see a very stripped down, broken version just reflecting on all the pieces that lay before them of this very broken life that isn't past reparation, but they are fully capable or they're fully aware of just how much work it's going to take to get it all back together. Beautifully said. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out one of my, I, uh, I didn't even catch this the first time watching this movie, but the, my second watch, this scene really stuck with me or the sequence. It's the sequence where uh, it's again, it's in the last third of the movie where um, we see Shia LaBeouf's dad at the strip club while um, his child character is is hanging out with um, the girl. I forget her name. Um, the shy girl. Shy girl, yeah. And that song, just that song, like, I didn't even catch the song the first time I watched it. But the second time, I'm like, man, this is just, like, a beautiful song. And so I caught the song. I'm going to shout out the song real quick. It is, uh, it's called Glimpses by Alex Ebert. Um, 
but yeah, just that whole sequence like that. I, I love montages and moments like that in movies where it's just a, you know, just throw a song on, you know, on a sequence and it's just the perfect, like almost, we're almost at the climax of the movie and I just loved like the vibe of it. Like it just felt like, you know, he's at the strip club. He has no, he really doesn't have anyone other than, than his son and he's not even connecting with the son. So he's here at the strip club, you know, trying to find some type of connection or, you know, something, someone to, you know, make him feel anything. And then it kind of, I think in the same sequence, it transitions to him like smoking. Uh, I think like, I don't know what he's doing. He's, I think he's doing like heroin or oxy or something. And I just, I think it's just like, a, it's a beautifully tragic sequence of like, finding or like using vices and or just like anything you know like you'll look for anything like if you're struggling in life you'll look for anything to make you feel something like you know like child like the Shia LaBeouf's like child character is basically like I don't know it's not like for a second you think they're gonna like like it's gonna get like sexual I guess but like it's really like I don't know it's more so like a almost like he's looking for like a mother but it's not like it's not a mother i don't know but it's just like he's just looking for someone to it, it just felt to me like he's just looking for someone to like feel something with someone to like love and like you know just like have a connection with and i don't know yeah i just thought that that sequence was really beautiful and like heartbreaking at the same time but that's just like i love that i love that that uh you know it it affected me and and it sticks with me I think that's a great point. Um, I definitely feel like this film is almost as much about James and his transformation and his acceptance of his role in life um, as it is about, you know, uh, Otis coming to grips with his childhood. I think, um, Kevin, you mentioned um, the fact that James was trying to control the situation or to sort of instill his will upon Tom um, in that in that scene where they're at the pool um, and Tom is just coming by. But I think um, Tom himself just embodies the the ideal father figure that maybe Otis thought he wanted or thought he needed um, at the time. And, you know, for James to be so threatened um, by by you know, a man that's dating his ex-wife or, or whatever the situation is, it, it really tells a lot about his own self-perception and about, you know, what was going on through his mind. Um, and I think there's a beautiful line that he says at the very end of the film where um, he's explaining to Otis, like, you come from a long line of alcoholics and um, we were just good people that didn't know what the fuck to do. Um, so we drank. And, and I think that that's a very... Um, just just beautiful line about how people get lost in the way in terms of trying to cope or trying to overcome a situation that at the time was too stressful for them. It's a very, very good point. And it also kind of shows like the mundanity of it all too, of how easy it is to fall into these or to fall off the off the virtuous path, you know. Um, where it just allows like these vices to 
know, no longer be like coping mechanisms, but be full on characteristics of a personality of, you know, someone who engages and abuses alcohol is suddenly an alcoholic. Uh, they can't function without like it whatsoever. And yeah, that, that is like, I gotta say that that's probably like one of my top favorite scenes, probably like my second favorite one of like this entire movie, just because it's so it's, it's, it's beautiful in its simplicity because it's like, I, I feel like a lot of the times, like in just my own life, I'm whenever I, I have, I have to always remind myself that um, beauty isn't necessarily about complexity and like efficiency and like all these different things that are connected to create like this massive grandiose image of like truth. It's sometimes it's literally just something so simple as saying like, yeah, we didn't know what to do. So that's why we did that. And we never talked about it. So that's where we are now. Like, this is your trauma. You're going to be dealing with this now. And you like, none of us have found a way to, figure it out so now it's on you to either continue the cycle or to break it um and good luck <laughs> with that yeah. basically yeah. uh i i would also say just one other like scene or instance i enjoyed of the movie was the scene right before basically james james is his name right the or his dad yep yes uh yeah he before right before he's like you know they like shy is asking him to be a better dad and everything and then he's like okay let's restart and then you know he's like a smart guy always knows that like if you hit your boss once you can smack him twice and he smacks the shit out of his kid um but right before that there's a like when young shia is walking into the hotel he's like or the scene before that he's i think it's like an ode to like an old even stevens episode Mm -hmm. like i kind of remember something like that where like he's basically having like a conversation with like his fictional dad forget his name in the show but um it's like super heartfelt and then like it kind of cuts back and forth between him in real life in the past with his with his real dad and then shy or his dad like kind of voiceovers or lip syncs like the words that is said in that even steven's episode of his fictional dad and i just feel like that was just so like it just hits so hard like it's so tragic and like all he wants is he's just looking for his dad to you know be there and and truly care and at that time he just doesn't and i yeah it's just yeah it's just tough and i think that's just i think that's i enjoy that part of the movie that like i think shia comes because he wrote it he he kind of comes to term with that that you know his dad just wasn't great and he's just recognizing that and that's the source or the root of his trauma 
Tyler, you bring up so many good points with that, with those thoughts. Um, I, I really enjoyed that sequence too. That that's probably like my number one because it's like, uh, the, just I want to the... I, I want to say too. Sorry to interrupt. I just oh, no, want to say too. It. The go first time I watched it, I want to say the first time I watched it, I don't even think I noticed that his dad, like in the hotel bed, is I I don't know what I, yeah I don't know what else to call it other than lip syncing. Like, but you can tell it's not his voice. He's voicing mm-hmm. over the the uh, recording from that episode or whatever. And I don't I didn't even notice that the first time. And the second time, I'm like, oh my god, like fuck like yeah to me that's the thing that sells the entire feeling of this movie that's like the epitome of what this movie is about it's like engaging because it's like there's so many points throughout the movie between uh james and otis where uh james is constantly bagging on otis you know acting out in these in these made-up stories and everything and how he's just a liar Basically, like that's all he's doing is lying on screen, and that's not at all what it's about for Otis. Like he he engages with these stories because he's able to find these emotional beats inside of him and recollect them for the just during like certain moments throughout the narrative to really drive home um, cutting truths. Uh, and in that scene, like it works so well purely because of that of that ad lib where we hear the words of his fictional father on like the even Stevens uh, spoof through James's mouth. And it's like, oh, if only he had if only he could say this, everything would heal and everything would be OK. Like that is the ultimate fantasy and desire that Otis has, like staring out at his dad and. He almost has like a, a, it's such a voyeuristic scene too. And I haven't ever, I can't recall too many instances in movies where uh, the voyeur is not necessarily like sexualizing the other person. Like this is like purely just for a means of connection and just purely for like, to like, there's so many times where Otis just wants to feel the love from his father just by holding hands with them and to feel like he has like, a teacher and like a protector to like help guide him through this really strange world that we're all a part of. And I, I think that um, just the, the blurred lines between fantasy and like reality within this movie, that's what that, that's the entire energy of it. It's like a melding of the two to try and create your own narrative from it, you know? And I don't know. I just love that moment. Um, and it reminds me of um, why James like why why does he hate the notion of acting so much? Like he views it as like so beneath everything else in the world. And how like I mean, although he wishes that he could have found fame as like a as like a rodeo clown, and you know he does this thing like where the chicken climbs on top of him. And like it's the it's considered you know the the daredevil chicken, um, and he views himself as like this this washed up figure who could have had it all but just didn't have the success or the will to do it, and kept messing up, and he channels all of this regret and all of these failings into 
Otis. And uh, during like the climactic moments of it, uh, between that last conversation, oh gosh, he he's like, I just don't want anybody to hate me anymore. Right. And he's like, I don't want you to like. They come to that, they come to that deal between the two, where he's like, okay, like don't talk down to me anymore, because like you're my son. Like, do you? How do you think that I feel? You talking to me like I'm an idiot, because it's like throughout his entire life he's just been looked down on and is like an idiot like he wants to be considered truthful or he wants to be more than just the clown that he's always pretending to be because it's like that's what clowns are ultimately for they are i i to me like a clown is somebody who has come to grips with all like the entirety of like the human emotional spectrum and find it within themselves to bring joy to other people despite how much they're uh, they're grappling with inside and unfortunately i get the take that uh james has never like when people see him on this superficial level of being a clown they don't really take that other deeper aspect into it you know they don't see somebody who who is filled with compassion who is capable of like resonating with like all these other moments um, to like make fun of himself and like put himself in like all these like silly situations and like poses and like these things and to like constantly joke and joke about himself or I don't know like and it seems like because of this he is just filled with so much resentment towards the world because he feels like he's been overshadowed like he never had his time for recognition to be like, hey, I am a decent human being. Like, I, I just made a lot of mistakes, and unfortunately, it's very hard for me to find my way back. Like, I haven't had that redemption yet, and I don't know if I will. And it's it seems like at that moment, in that climactic moment in the hotel scene, uh, after, he, after he gets home, um, it, it seems like there's just a little bit of hope on the horizon. And I feel like that is what made me have so much compassion for James as a as a person. That and the and that alcoholics and not the second meeting that he went to. I wanted the I'm I'm trying to find an answer right now, but I'm not having too much luck. But the the even Stevens reference scene that's like playing out in his imagination. Without context, I thought that was like a recording somewhere that Shia would have of him and his dad. You know, like the something like that. That's why I, I didn't know it was from the show directly. So Ooh. I interpreted it as like a them and that the, you know because you know how they re- recite the scripts in practice. I thought that was like a camera test or something somewhere of him and his dad reading the his dad's reading the lines for the other actor because he's not there or whatever. And I thought he had a copy of that and he injected those in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I want to find that out. But yeah, that part was very powerful. And then I, uh, yeah, I love towards the end. I think you mentioned when, uh, that confrontation they have not confrontation but the. Uh, This film has given me a new respect for Shia LaBeouf and that like the composition towards the end of his dad, like coming out of the motel room. It's like a. It's like a beautiful summary of his perception. 
of like his dad as a the the archetype of his dad like he's he's in the rodeo clown makeup the motorcycles in the parking spot right in front of the motel room he's halfway in halfway out it's like such a striking image to see otis looking at a great scene one thing that i that i will say like in in defense of the therapy inclusions in this movie it all makes it worth it to me because um even despite like its flaws and like it's with pacing and everything uh there's that moment where um older otis is having that you know yet another confrontation with his therapist and he's saying you're trying to take away the only valuable thing my father ever gave to me which is pain and you just expect me to just move on from that, like, or something along the lines of that. And yeah, I just wanted to say that 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 moment really made all those other moments worth it, just because it's like, okay, finally we understand this. It's it's like almost like Otis trying to pull like this drain plug on like this festering like pool of water. And he's trying like all his might to do it, but it's like he kind of wants that to like stay there because like that's the only reminder of his father that he has left. Yeah, so I, it, it it is, and I feel like that's the moment in the film where like he is, he just realizes he's like, that's just you know that's just how I like I got to come to terms with that, and yes. That may be the only thing he remembers him from, but at least, like, again, like, I I think I've, I've, I keep mentioning it, too, but, like, I think it's just him, again, coming to terms with, like, his roots of the why, the, the way of why he is, like, and sure, I don't, like, I haven't followed Shia, like, the last, like, year or whatever since this movie's came out, but, like, at least for him, I hope, like, now he knows, like, he knows the you know, the cause of trauma and um yeah, I did I did just really enjoy that that aspect too at the end. I like the therapy, the the hints of the return to nature. Yeah, he like, says go scream just go scream in the woods. Yeah, but there's no <laughs> but there's no Solaris shot. There's no long Bach shot. <laughs> 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 I would have loved for that to happen. <laughs> no, I and then I yeah I I appreciate the uh, poverty AmeriCorps aesthetics. Uh, yeah, I love I love when uh especially now I have a new appreciation for. It seems like he's experienced it. It's not like a a poverty safari that some directors or documentaries go on. Feels like an embracement of uh, this, this like niche, not niche, but this, this aspect of American life not commonly touched upon, positively, or so authentically, and uh, he really captures the vibe. He's like, yeah, I've been in motels like that. I've been at AA meetings as a kid, and it's like, yeah, he captured the vibe perfectly. Mm-hmm. It really resonates. Yeah, it is crazy too. Like, even this makes me think of Diamantino. Like, with this movie, we kind of watch two movies that have, you know, focus on these huge celebrities, and it kind of does. And even it brings up the Will Smith thing. We're not going to go deep into that fucking rabbit hole again. 
but like <laughs> it does just make you feel for these people that are like so high up on this pedestal and you know every single mistake you make like we've all done dumb shit like or at least me like i've done stupid shit like same, I probably, same. I've, I've probably slapped my friend like i would probably slap my friend if he said something about my wife like <laughs> if we were just at a party like that and like obviously maybe it's different at the oscars but whatever like it's just everyone everything is scrutinized more when you're that high of a echelon person and all these people are just you know you're a human at at the end of the day and you know you you were just born in or you maybe you weren't born into it but like you know you just lived out your life and you became you know especially if, as a child star like you just you really like didn't ask for this it just happened and you know it does give me it does make me give like the last two movies we watched has given me like a little bit more empathy for these celebrities and people who we look at that are are they are super privileged but also you know like it's not like it's not just fucking titties and rainbows out here you know like <laughs> they're struggling too <laughs> i agree if they've taken the lumps i agree but uh sophia coppola <laughs> Just because you made Lost in Translation doesn't mean you get a pass. <laughs> hey, get a pass from what? Uh, she was clearly a product of nepotism, but she is an artist. I oh, yeah. Holy, but oh, like, yeah. At least she's talented. She's had the same struggles of, yeah, like that recent 2018 <laughs> quote. With the hot take. Oh, God. I, this is a thing from 2018, she said. Like, she has, she had it just as hard as anyone else or any other woman getting oh, in the cinema. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe Kravitz had a similar quote too, saying that she had to fight harder for her roles. Yeah, no, okay, we are. So, I'm, see, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying these people like had like just as difficult of a route, but I'm just saying like <laughs> was, it, makes, was, yeah. it makes me like I still like I just have empathy. I basically I have empathy for anyone really like, and I think that's what this movie is about too. Or like, I love what any movie focuses on empathy. And no, uh, yeah, I was yeah. a bit like, yeah, you're Tyler, you're right. I'm irrationally hung up a bit <laughs> that I have names memorized. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, I empathize with them too. I empathize with the fact that they'll wake up tomorrow, wipe their tears with their hundred dollar bills and gold chains. No, but yeah, but it truly, it's just a thing in me that makes me feel that like they're, yeah, I shouldn't even care. They make good movies. <laughs> Guys, down with the bourgeoisie, huh? All right. <laughs> oh, my brain's been broken since lockdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The thing about that situation is they're above the law and they can break any law they want and they'll still be okay. If that happens to any of us, um, yeah, we, we would have a tough time, you know, having a good, a good future uh, or a good career in, in film. <laughs> It sounds like we need to go. What's his name? We need to go eyes wide shut, and uh, <laughs> just a, a big critique of the the bourgeoisie. You know, the high society culture of America. We should just definitely, you know, make a critique on that, guys. Let's just do it. I heard I don't... that. Uh, I heard that Damien Chazelle is actually making a movie about oh. Hollywood during like the 1920s up to like the 50s. I want to say. I'm in. I'm yeah, is he gonna put music in it again and it all getting be all jazzy? Well, I mean, like I was reading up on it. A little hey, bit. I enjoyed La La Land. 
No, the, <laughs> like are we gonna get the fatty movie. Arbuckle stuff? The uh the yes. one penis crime. <laughs> right? The re- the Black Dahlia murders. We could do a whole lot from old Hollywood. But I, that's that's just me. That's where my brain goes. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it, I think that, like, it could either go, like, a few different ways where it either kind of shows what people are driven to in order to, like, pursue fame, and, and it's kind of, mm-hmm. like, at what cost, but it could also end up glorifying Hollywood even more so, um, and I hope it doesn't do that, <laughs> and I hope it doesn't do that first thing either, like, I hope that it genuinely critiques the entire like filmmaking industry from it's, I mean, from that very pivotal moment, uh, you know, in the twenties up to, you know, switching over to incorporating sound. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I want them to show like the hidden things that went on of how like people were like given like these certain types of roles, how they received like funding, how just how much manipulation on all these things like went on because it's like Hollywood is, it's if like I mean, bringing up like this point again, it, like what Richie said, like he is definitely not going to face any charges, like with that sort of like I mean, with assault of a, of another person oh. for slapping person. Yeah, like well, they're they're so above it. Well, not legal charges, but um, probably it's still like a disciplinary action from the academy, probably like a suspension of his membership or something. But I mean, yeah, nothing <laughs> like he's people. yeah. He's not gonna fucking get a go to jail or get a fine, like. Yeah, but I mean, a normal person would though, on on, on, a, on an event like that. Yeah, for no, sure. You, I, I would disagree. I no, would disagree. I mean that is literally assault. That is not just like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, in, in California, the, that's considered assault. I don't know if you know that, the, but think of all the bar fights. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I work in a bar. Like, and I like frequent bars and i've yeah but I've if you go get in a social event like that when someone is like yeah. on the mic and you walk up there and you literally slap the shit out of somebody you go into jail <laughs> sorry I mean, like any normal person would yeah. actually go to jail yeah i don't know because no, i think the same the thing because it's like yes yeah, i mean maybe, maybe you should try it go to a pageant show or something to do it it's just like these <laughs> things, i think it'd be different i think it'd be different if you like you know, beat the shit out of somebody and like really hurt them. If you, I don't know. I'm I'm not saying he's in the right. I'm not, I'm not defending him at all, but I'm just like, you know, this is just like, I feel like it's just like a life thing that happens. Like it's a spur of the moment, like tempers flare and you did something and whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody, yeah. like, we all, we're all I going to forget about it. Like it's you say that, but, we're talking but about people have long. gone to jail for like, for less. So like, I don't know. This this isn't this isn't just some normal situation where like someone got upset in public and start fighting each other. That's consensual. What happened on that stage is not consensual at all. Like it's not like uh, Chris Rock was like, "All right, let's get this throw down." Then no, he's like he's literally doing his job as a presenter. He was hired to roast people. Like he was hired to make jokes. That was his job, and literally his peer slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying he's not in the wrong. I'm just saying, like, if he would go yeah. to jail, he'd go to jail for like twelve hours or. Yeah, whatever, I mean, he, but but like I'm saying, like a, a normal person would literally like go to jail, you know, for like a day or something or two. I don't know. Let's let's not let Again. this distract us from the real tragedy. 
they passed on Hoop Dreams back in 94. They did. <laughs> God I mean, damn it. And we still got to <laughs> drop that episode. Oh, Let them know, Pat. Let them know. <laughs> Let them know. Like just like the just like the just like the fucking just like the like the 2001 2002 finals that are oh god conference finals that nobody wants to talk about with the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. It's the same shit. <laughs> nobody LA. cares. Let's just nuke LA. Nobody cares about the it. Sacramento Kings. Nobody <laughs> cares about hoop dreams. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're we're in Hollywood. We got the Lakers. We got you know. I, I learned a recent one too. That's pretty crazy. Uh, the Avatar year when uh, James Cameron's ex-wife won the award for Hurt Locker while James Cameron was making the veiled anti-imperialist no way the war on terror yes his wife his I ex-wife, did not know that yeah the Hurt Locker won best picture over Avatar and there's like there's a lot of retrospective cultural reflection on like oh like what is that like the Academy and Hollywood's complacency with the State war on terror at the era. That's like, oh, so interesting. Pat, are yeah. you saying you're a fan of Avatar? I rewatched <laughs> it recently, dude. That movie's amazing. Please tell me you like Avatar. Avatar's it's, pretty good. I like Avatar. I saw it on my birthday. Let's, I'm, let's do a deep dive. <laughs> I'm, I'm so hyped, bro. We got we got four more avatars coming up. I'm the honestly Mar- the Marvel I'm, the Marvelization of Avatar. Is I'm honest. I'm honestly going to be really disappointed if it is Marvelized. <laughs> it is. It is. You realize you realize for the next decade we have I think this year is uh That's the, that's James Cameron telling the us like Avatar and then Star Wars movie, new Star Wars, and then the third Avatar and the new Star yeah. Wars and then It's like 18. Avatar. But <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. It's James Cameron going, "What the hell's wrong with you people? I already made a movie <laughs> to say how we need to improve society." We need to remove the military <laughs> industrial complex, which they do in the movie. We need to return to nature, which the Navi get. And we need the acknowledgement <laughs> of corporate hegemonic powers with the government military force. <laughs> and I the wars for natural reasons. He already told us this message, and we were too dumb to listen. So he's like, okay, you fucking sheep. I'll make I need eight five, more I need five <laughs> movies to tell you motherfuckers. I need a whole decade. James Cameron will make as many avatars as we need to change. Like, and I love him for that. Yes. Pushing that over the hill. That's hilarious. And Pat, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch them all. Converted. Yes. <laughs> no, Pat I'm being Disney and Half honestly, I am hoping they're good. I, that's the only thing I care about coming up. Because what else do we have to look forward to? I mean, it's Hollywood. an original film franchise, too. So, like, you know, I, I, I want to support Avatar when it comes out. Even if it, it does come off to a lot of people as a ripoff of all these other films. Um, hey, at least it's original work. Yeah. That's, I'm, um, looking, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see Shia's next endeavor because this was really a really good movie. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to him hopefully not getting fired again off of other film sets and stuff. <laughs> Uh, do we have any other closing thoughts? Uh, thank you guys again. I had such a great time. Uh, hopefully, you guys will have me back on the podcast to do another pick. Oh, we would absolutely. I know I would definitely love to have you back on, uh, Brandon. It was it, it's finally great to like have you on. <laughs> oh, guys, it's been too long. 
I, uh, yeah, just, just really appreciate it. Had such a great time and, uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, if you want to check out this movie, it's available on Amazon. Um, uh, if you have any questions, if you want to like hurl insults, uh, any type of like feedback, <laughs> anything like that, you could email us at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram if you want. Uh, it's at layfilmpodcast. Um, other than that, thank you for listening this far in and uh, have a nice weekend and see you on the next episode. I'm gonna make a movie about you. You're making a movie about me?